Sam, welcome to the podcast. If you could start off by telling us a bit about what you're doing at uni, what you've planned so far for your future, and what you've done so far in your career. Yeah, of course. Just first of all, I want to say a massive thank you for having me on the show. I've really <laughs> enjoyed the last few apps, um, and so it's a real pleasure to be invited on. Um, what I am currently doing in my life is I'm in my third year of a degree at the LSE. I'm doing maths with econ there. Um, and I've just come off the back of a summer internship at McKinsey. Um, I'll be returning to that role upon graduation, which I'm really looking forward to. Um, and the path to where I am now um, has been laced with lots of really enjoyable different uh, activities, the main one being entrepreneurship and probably the most formative one and the most pertinent to the podcast. Um, but uh, al alongside uh, entrepreneurship, other things that are relevant uh, were my sort of path through the sort of traditional careers, spring weeks, um, and then a number of sports, both at uni and school, um, which I'm really looking forward to diving into. Yeah, so you're talking about entrepreneurship there. If you could just tell us a little bit more about that, because I know you created a startup while at university, which is a, a tough fit. How, how's that experience been? What was the company about? Yes, it was actually probably the, the highlight of my uni experience so far. Um, like you, Peter, I joined in 2020 when like COVID was kicking off. Um, and so actually there was very little in the way of like formal activities and formal mm. um, things to participate in. And so actually entrepreneurship like fit that environment so well because um, it's something that you actually just do on your own and it's independent of the environment that surrounds you. Um, so I started a food subscription business with two of my flatmates, the people who live just like directly next to me. Um, and that over time pivoted and changed um, uh, to the point where we then got uh, invested in by a large VC firm. Um, and we were actually more focused on doing fintech for the restaurant industry. Um, and we did that throughout first year and also for the first part of second year. Um, and I'm no longer doing that. Um, we, we, as fun as it was and as helpful as it has been for my career, we tested our business model using the funding that we got, realized that it actually wasn't going to work um, in the market. And so we've actually decided to return the remaining funds to the VC firm. And hopefully um, when we have again a good business concept and a good founding team, and the right like conditions for us personally, we're going to be able to build something really special. But um, at the moment, I'm focusing on joining McKinsey and starting working there when I graduate. So even though it didn't go maybe the way you wanted to, it was an invaluable experience, you'd say, right? Yeah, no, it was, and it was incredibly helpful for um, traditional careers as well. Yeah, how would you contrast that experience of doing the entrepreneurship route versus your summer internship with McKinsey? So I think like there are two parts for, um, especially for university students who are like prospective, who are potentially choosing between a traditional career like consulting and entrepreneurship. I think the the two parts are first of all, what are the differences between applying for consulting and starting a business, and then the second part is what is the difference between actually working consulting and starting a business. And I think if you're someone who is potentially coming from like a background of sports or is more of someone who potentially is like takes pleasure in the execution of, of things um, or the execution of a process specifically then I think actually applying for something like consulting is great because it's like 
the goalposts are clear, you actually know specifically when you're going to be tested and you know the standard that you have to be at in order to succeed. Yeah. And I think for entrepreneurship, none of that is there. Mm -hmm. And the biggest, hardest part at uni is actually trying to set your own goalposts and give yourself purpose. Um, and so I think if you're someone who thrives um, outside of rules and is actually someone who usually like seeks hacks around like the traditional system and like maybe isn't as focused on the execution of a process, then entrepreneurship is perfect for you. Um, and then in terms of the work itself, like I think it's just the scale is different. Like when you're on a startup, you're making strategy decisions, but it's all bootlegged and you're not actually doing it potentially with like cutting edge market insights and real data. Mm -hmm. You're actually just doing it off maybe gut feel and your first five customers feedback. Um, whereas with consulting, you're doing it for the biggest companies in the world and you're doing it with um, the latest like market insights from research teams around the world. So like it's different scales. One's more personalized, one's sort of more impactful on like a global scale, but they're both super exciting, I think. Yeah, so you've put entrepreneur entrepreneurship to the side for now, but mm. maybe go back into the future. Why is it you've chosen to go into consulting as a postgrad and not entrepreneurship? Yeah, it's really um, a good question because I think it's, it's something that I've been reflecting on. Um, and some of the people I did the internship with are actually choosing to to return to entrepreneurship instead of returning to McKinsey. Mm. Um, for me, I actually just felt like I was landed in this environment where I was surrounded by people who could explain things incredibly well to me and also were really great at their jobs. And I think what I was saying earlier about if you're focused on entrepreneurship, maybe you're not as... Um, maybe you're not as much of a fan of just focusing on execution and just executing on things. Mm. I think actually working in a place for two years like McKinsey teaches you so much about how to execute and just do things really well. Um, and I think that's going to then be invaluable um, when I return, hopefully, to entrepreneurship in a few years' time. And I also think it gives me a break from having to give myself purpose because I think you have to self-motivate a lot at uni, whereas I think there's something appealing actually about being in a workplace where you have a few years to breathe um, and do what's asked of you and then make a decision about what you actually want to do. In, in terms of that experience at McKinsey itself, what would you say are the main skills you've taken from it and like, how has that experience in some internship you know, developed you as a person and made you prepared to go into the workforce after? Um, I think that's, that's a great question. I think the I was actually surprised by the end of the internship about which skills were important. I think the skills that were ultimately important were leadership, structure, and organization of time. Um, and the skills that maybe actually weren't as important were the ones that you think of when you think of consulting, which are things like PowerPoint, Excel, um, and maybe like the more hard skills, like the harder skills. Um, because I think the best people were the people who were able to set clear boundaries because consulting and banking as your listeners probably know they they will take as many hours of your life as you can offer them um and so the the actual skill of it is being able to make a sustainable career out of that and the people who do a great job of it protect not only their time but the time of the people in their team um and so i was actually came away pretty inspired because i felt like that was a skill that i actually really cared about improving on way more than maybe improving my powerpoint skills because I think that actually is one that's so transferable um, mm. into entrepreneurship, but also just into any any 
purpose or like any action that you're trying to take or anything that you're collaborating on it's so useful to have that skill of leading and just to quickly dive back into the mm. entrepreneurship experience you, you probably wouldn't say this yourself and but you did extremely well managing to get your company foodie to get a 1.4 million pound valuation and also you you got invested in by one of the biggest vc firms could you, could you just tell us about that experience and you know why that was worth doing why you would recommend it to anyone to do yeah i think so there are two lenses you can look at it through like if you're listening to this and you're someone who already has decided entrepreneurships for them then it's clearly a great thing to do because i genuinely do believe there is no better training ground for learning entrepreneurships but related skills than a startup um and if you're listening to this podcast through the lens of wanting to go in a more tradition into a more traditional career like consulting then again it's unbelievably useful because the the skills you pick up in entrepreneurship are so far reaching and it also shows such proactivity. Um, and it means that whatever size company you're joining, you're going to be able to bring something to the table um, because you've been in the position of your manager at some point. Because no doubt at some point in your entrepreneurship journey, you're going to hopefully be able to take on sort of an intern or something for the first time. And that actually is such a useful experience to be on the other side of the table and understand like what it's like to be um, a leader and trying to get um, sort of assistance from an intern or like have an intern be helpful. And then again, when you're applying to companies, you can sort of with, with a more useful perspective, look at it as like, what can I do to make myself a useful intern? Entrepreneurship is just one of the experiences you can talk about when you're going into the interview and, and albeit a great one. But you've also done a lot of other experiences you know, spring weeks or internships. What do you think is the importance of doing so much experience at university and would you have done anything differently? Okay, so I think, like, my this will be my number one message of the whole podcast is, like, you should look, especially if you're in first year right now, you should look at your life and you should be thinking, how can I live my happiest version of my life while boosting my career or my CV or whatever it is at the same time? And so I think... Internships, especially spring internships, are the easiest way to add credibility to your CV, immediate credibility, because you'll have brand names on there. And I think people often make the mistake of in first year, especially at, at the top top universities where spring weeks is like a culture there, of applying to the hardest ones that everyone's talking about. But I think actually applying to the ones that are slightly further off the beaten track mean that are actually also ones that you're more likely to get. They give you the same level of credibility um, at a much lower cost to you and also at mm. a much lower risk. So that's my number one, like the first thing that I want to say. And the second thing is in terms of like building yourself um, through university um, while also having a good time, I think like there are so many hacks you can put into your life um, that make your normal day-to-day -day life something that's suddenly appealing to a company. Um, and so just running through like ideas of how to do that. I think if you analyze the things that you take pleasure in doing, you can actually very easily find ways to turn those into things that are going to then be impressive to companies. So I, for example, play in a five-a-side team every Tuesday evening. And LSE, the uni I'm at, doesn't have a five-a-side football team. So if you were trying to boost your CV while doing exactly the same thing that you do already in your normal life, you would set up the LSE five-a-side football team 
and you would just continue business as usual and then suddenly be able to demonstrate leadership. And there are so many other things like that. So any any case of like if you go to the gym, it's you're better off instead of training five times a week in the gym and having no recognition outside of like a fantastic rig, <laughs> you, you should be aiming to have um, some sort of sport that you can put that effort into, um, be it like the weightlifting club at your uni. Because again, that demonstrates to people that you're doing it through the formal institutionalized channels. Um, and I think that's like a, like a massively beneficial way to live your life at uni and get sort of um, credit for things that potentially other people aren't getting credit for. Yeah, and just to latch on to that point about happiness mm. and how important that is. Mm. At university, it does seem at times, especially in Fergie now, that there's so much you've got to do, whether it's mm. applying for internships, applying for graduate roles, or actually just getting the degree done. I mean, how do you keep yourself, outside of the work you do, happy? What are some habits you do that make you motivated to keep doing what you're doing? Yeah, so there are the obvious ones, like the science-backed ones, of if you exercise regularly, and especially if you exercise as part of a team sport, you will massively get like healthy dopamine from that. Um, and then again, with sleeping in a good routine and eating a healthy diet, um, those are all the ones that are guaranteed to make a difference to you. The one for me that I think is super helpful at university because you have to be so self-motivated at uni is placing yourself in groups of people where mm. there's a base level of like hunger and motivation and also just like curiosity about the world because those people will remind you on a daily basis of like why the world's an exciting place to be and like live in and i think the exercise and the food and everything that's great like that gives you a baseline level of satisfaction but if you're looking for purpose the the best way to find it is to just surround yourself with people who are also on the hunt for purpose and also like are curious about how they can have a, a positive social impact there are a lot of positive impacts that come from that mm. yeah and i think it's a really important thing to do but there is also you know a negative effect that could be that you don't appreciate how well you're actually doing yourself and i think with someone like you that's you've got mckinsey to go back to you've got this established career path how do you keep challenging yourself to progress in your career but like do it in a healthy way, you know, with the right amount of balance where it's like you're not forever comparing yourself to the people you're surrounded with. You know, you're just doing it off your own accord. Yeah, I think, like, and you actually see it so much, especially in third year with the people who, like, should have sort of already had it sorted. Like, they, on paper, have it already sorted. Um, and I'm, like, close friends with someone who just, like, keeps going back for more and more and more because it gets to the point where, like, applying for jobs becomes your like niche skill yeah. and your hobby and like i think at that point can't say that's mine yeah <laughs> um at that point like it's something that you should be focusing like i think you, there's diminishing marginal returns to it at that point like you actually will realize gd economics oh yeah yeah it's yeah. So funny that isn't i speak in math <laughs> the um the i think that the, the main problem with that is that you actually are just sort of jumping from similar job to similar job and I think it doesn't really provide you with the same satisfaction. And the hard part of that is basically shifting your personality away from being like a careers personality um, and actually thinking about things that ig sort of ignite curiosity within you that isn't necessarily like t related at all to your career. Mm -hmm. um, and it's completely okay if it is related to your career. But I think that the, the great thing right now is that you can 
like for me like you can spend time basically just chasing or like pulling the thread of curiosity on different topics so like at the moment i'm really into lab grown meat and like <laughs> i can, <laughs> i can basically just like google lab grown meat for hours a day because i'm not applying for jobs for, for people that don't know what that means like myself what, what does that mean so at the moment like we have early stages of technology which let us take a cell from a cow for example um and then put it in a bioreactor and just grow essentially like a clump of beef um without having to kill any animals and it has the exact or almost exactly the same flavor profile like nutritional profile everything and like that itself will basically I mean, not solve climate change, like, because there's so many other things that contribute to the climate crisis, but it's going to massively decrease CO2 emissions. It also just, like, eliminates animal suffering in the agriculture industry because we're no longer having to kill animals for, for their meat. Yeah. Um, and then the more exciting edge cases that I'm into at the moment, slightly off topic, um, the more exciting, like, um, edge case at the moment is that you can create meats that, like, are not traditionally farmed, um, in bulk, so quail and alligator hybrid meat, for example, is <laughs> is a meat that like tastes apparently better than chicken beef, any of the others. Um, but at the moment, it's impossible to farm, obviously, and so we're going to be able to grow that. It does feel like it's becoming a bit of a Joe Rogan episode <laughs> <laughs> in some ways. But no, I mean, obviously, I think what I would take from that, and obviously, I think it's a great idea, but it's the idea of having a passion outside of university. Mm. It, it's very important, and I would say. A lot of people struggle to find out what they're good at. Like, you know, to some people it comes naturally. I mean, I don't know if you have any natural skills, but that's why you're like, mm. okay, I should be a consultant. But in terms of, like, if you do know what you're good at, how do you keep finding out, you know, what would you recommend to people to find out what you're actually good at so you can translate it into career? So I think for this, there are, like, two approaches. The first one is if you already know what you're good at or roughly... The, the like the component part of what you're good at so whether that's like the fundamental part of being able to work hard or being able to think on a big scale um if you think that you're if, if, if you think that you've got one of those core skills then you can apply that to lots of different things and you should think about like the potential applications of that if you don't really know what you're good at something i've been doing actually this year is like every week i try out a different sort of way of living my life so the reason I got so into lab meat is because (laughs) two weeks ago I went vegan for just a week just to see what it was like and then realized like actually like how problematic it was for vegans to not be able to eat any meat Mm. and there's so many things like that where if you actually just push yourself in a slightly different direction your whole perspective then shifts and you can actually see things for potentially what they are and so you start seeing things in front of, instead of from 2D, as, as you start moving around more uh, and moving your perspective, you start seeing, seeing things in 3D. And so I think that's like the best thing you can do is just like every week do like a different version of your life, like one slight tweak. And then you'll start to figure out, OK, that was actually really easy for me to study nonstop for nine hours a day for an entire week. Yep. And so I should go into something that's like endurance based. Yeah, I, th- I think a lot of people... You know, this idea of like rabbit holing, you know, whether mm. it's like on YouTube or social media, like everyone's guilty of it because, but you can actually do that with things that can be productive to your career. Mm-hmm. Like that, that's a bit of a life hack in itself. You yeah. know, there is nothing wrong. It's not a waste of time if you're genuinely like thinking this could translate into a career somehow or, you know, 
everything you're saying now that might mm. be something you end up doing in the future you mm-hmm. have no idea so I, I think it's a great thing to do yeah you started university like you said earlier mm. in lockdown mm. it's a weird place to find yourself and you've just come off the back of school where you've got all this accountability from your teachers you know your parents and you're just at university nobody's holding your account how have you developed a work ethic and how have you taken yourself out of any of the habits that might have you know started in lockdown and you know found the drive that you've got right now so my advice is different for depending on what stage of uni you're at. If you're in your sort of like later years of an undergrad um, and you haven't secured um, career experience that's going to make it easy for you to get a job straight out of undergrad, then this advice is not relevant to you. But if you're earlier on, I actually think if you're going to university to get a good career, a 2-1 is so close to a first in terms of what doors it unlocks that you should be your goal academically should be to minimize the amount of hours you spend on your degree to get a 2-1 and so it's not a case so much of self-motivating in the respect of like how can I push myself to work really hard the actual hack is how can I optimize my current routine to work as little as possible to get a 2-1 and then outside of that, follow your curiosity, like I'm saying, and um, focus on setting yourself up for a career. Because yeah. I think you do get so much free time at uni that you can do that. Were there any atypical experiences you've done that have become very helpful in your career that you wish to pursue now? The, the one that comes to mind is in my first year summer, I worked for two months as a summer camp counsellor at a US summer camp. And I lived like in a tent in the woods for the entire time and I think the ability to like fake enthusiasm and fake high energy to try and get buy-in from kids is actually something that's incredibly applicable when you actually are doing something um, in the traditional career route so I think like showing up to interviews or showing up to um, team meetings when you're an intern and exuding like enthusiasm and curiosity and energy is such a useful habit and it actually isn't something that will always be natural for people because your energy levels throughout a day will vary and so having it on tap i think is a really useful thing that i picked up when i was working there um Mm -hmm. and i think i bring that actually quite a lot into my normal life um so yeah i actually do really recommend doing something in your summer especially in first year that's slightly off the beaten track um especially if it's like a job where it's something where you actually will earn money and you'll have a good time when you're doing it. In terms of your actual career now, you've done that McKinsey summer internship and all these all these skills you've developed thus far have helped you out there. How did you not get imposter syndrome while you were there, though, despite all the confidence you had in yourself? I think there were two things that I found super helpful when it came to combating imposter syndrome, because it is something that I think like everyone will struggle with at some point. Mm. The first one was I heard a quote by Jimmy Carr on a podcast where he speaks about um, imposter syndrome. And he makes the point that actually you really do want to have imposter syndrome when you're young because you're putting yourself in challenging environments where you're actually just learning more and you're surrounded by inspirational people. And that's usually the environments in which you get imposter syndrome. So I think like the first point is like really make the most of it because it's like a really useful feeling to have. And then the second thing is 
that actually you can sometimes prepare your way out of imposter syndrome. Because I think imposter syndrome, um, it's a, it can be like a useful pressure for you to like really try and study the people who seem to be doing really well and try and figure out what the secret source is that you can then copy. Um, and I think like showing up to McKinsey like the first few weeks, I was like, okay, some of these people are really like top tier communicators. And I think like I then had to consciously make the effort to be like, what do they do that's better than what I do? And then try and incorporate that actively into my own life. And then over time that becomes unconscious. So I think like, yeah, imposter syndrome actually is a really good thing. And if you're experiencing it, recognize that it's positive and then also work really hard to try and not feel like an imposter because that's going to like, that's where progress is made. On this podcast, I'm trying to get on people that I deem have been very successful. And whether you are going to admit or not, you know, I, I want to try and emulate success like yours. Is your definition in yourself of success the same as when you started university or has it changed now you're at the end of your university experience? Yeah, I think uh, it hasn't changed massively. The main thing that's changed is um, now that I kind of feel like I've got like s- the stamp of approval that I think I was seeking and that I think like lots of people seek when mm-hmm. they're like starting out in careers, I think I'm more open now to doing things that are like potentially less conventional and potentially less traditionally celebrated career paths. Because mm-hmm. I think it's very easy when you see celebrities be like, ignore what people say and like follow your heart. Like it's very easy for them to say that because I think they have proven themselves in like the conventional arena. Um, and so I actually think it's like actually a, a good thing to do to try and prove to yourself that you can make it in the conventional world of careers. Like chase down like a typical career path that has a clear structure for maybe like the first year of your career. And then when you have that sense of like, okay, I've done this thing and I can always return to it, then you really are able to open your mind to things that, again, like you're curious about or that you think are actually going to be like socially beneficial and socially impactful. Because those are the things that I think recently I've suddenly like, like a light bulb's gone off and I'm like, now that I'm no longer trying to like prove to anyone um, anything in my career like I can actually use this career as a vehicle vehicle for good and I'm just going to shout out a website that I think is super useful if you're a listener um, it's called 80,000hours.org I think um, if you search 80,000 hours on Google it'll come up it's this entire it's like a foundation that's well funded and its entire aim is to help people um, who are university educated typically to use their careers for social good um, and they have this entire guide that basically walks you through how to analyze um, like what career fits your skill set and fits your passion. So like it's genuinely like a game changing resource. So I definitely Google that. What I took from what you were saying mm. there is that you sort of when you look at your idols, you think, God, they're doing so many f- cool things mm. all the time. Like, how do I ever get to that place in life? Yeah. But you, you, uh, people don't see that initial hard work they've done to get that like foundation of success like once you've got that you've got like in yourself you've got so much more freedom to like justify looking into other things that you may deem pointless before or like you know waste of time but and then enjoy them way more in turn sort of wrap up i wanted to give me three words to describe your university experience so far and what are you most excited for about being a postgraduate so i think three words um that can sort of sum up 
um, especially like in a career from a career perspective, my time at uni. The first one is people. The second one is probably curiosity, and the third one is arbitrary because I think the first one, people, um, the biggest thing that you can do at uni that's going to be game changing is just like just drop yourself in a group of people that you would put money on having like a successful life and yeah. having a happy life. Like it's so incredibly easy to do and also will just like make your life great. That's what I'm trying to do with this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and then the second one is curiosity because I think like that actually is like the essence of life, like just chasing things down that you like are naturally interested in. There's something like they usually when you like keep digging you hit like a like a bedrock of like genuine truth and then the final thing uh, arbitrary i think one common misconception amongst uh, uni students when it comes to their career is that like anyone really knows what they wanted to do like i actually at the start of second year just completely arbitrarily picked consulting because i just thought like i have to pick something because you actually can never really do everything really well. And so my my final thing with arbitrary is like arbitrarily pick just one thing, especially if you're in first year or second year. Do it really well. Prove to yourself that whatever the the subject matter is, you can do really like you can execute on it really well. And then once you've done something really well, not only is that a great signal for the next thing you want to do, but also you'll know for sure if that was something that you enjoyed or if that was something you didn't enjoy. And what would be the key underlying messages you'd like listeners to take away with them from today? So I think, like, if you were going to listen to one minute of the podcast, it'd be the next one minute because I think the the three key messages that I'm trying to get across here, um, number one is that when you're in your first or second year of university and you're thinking about graduate careers, you should really just arbitrarily pick one thing, apply just to that one industry, proved yourself that you can be successful regardless of what the subject matter is and then test the hypothesis of whether you like it or not. So that's the first thing. The second thing is if you're really going to university and you're just focused on getting a good career out of your time at university and having a good time, then I think you should be trying to academically optimise for a 2-1 with the least amount of time input as possible. And then the third and final thing is what I was speaking about at the beginning of the podcast, where you can hack your life and all of the things you do already for fun, you can make them into a career-boosting activity. So if you're playing in a five-a-side team already, start that as a university club and then you're demonstrating leadership um, in a formal way that you wouldn't really be able to speak about otherwise uh, in, in an interview on your CV. So those are the three key messages, I think, for the listener at home. And three very important messages, in my opinion. Uh, so thank you for coming on today, Sam. I think it's a little bit of a different one where you're not actually graduated, but mm. I found it really refreshing as someone you know in the exact same position, both in third year, just to sort of talk about how we're feeling about our future, mm-hmm. the work we've done so far, and just being curious about the careers, being excited for it. So that's what I'd take away from today. And yeah, thanks yeah. for coming on, mate. It's genuinely been a pleasure. Cheers, Peter. Cheers, mate.